Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. God, we thank you because we know that your word is made available unto us today. And we thank you, oh God, because you give us the grace to be able to see your word, to be able to hear your word. Lord Jesus, even as we come before you this morning, oh God, um, we just prepare our hearts and our minds for everything that you have for us. And we thank you, precious Holy Spirit, that you who has caused us to rise up each day, you who has made it possible, Lord God, for us to be able to engage the level level that you have called us to engage with thank you father because you have also made it possible for us to accommodate your word you have also made it possible for us to accommodate oh god every single thing that you have for us so lord jesus we just lay posture before you and father we just say thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven thy kingdom come over this zoom call thy kingdom come over our homes thy kingdom come over our hearts thy kingdom come over our minds thy kingdom come over our spirits thy kingdom come over our souls in the name of our lord jesus thank you precious holy spirit in jesus name Amen. Amen. amen 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 um before I went to bed, I was asking the Spirit of God uh, if he wanted me to talk and, you know, lead prayers through what he has given to me or if there's something else he has in mind, you know. So I just stayed on it a bit and, I, you know, went back and forth, uh, still couldn't pinpoint it. And then as I was waking up at this morning, um, I began to see something that I had written in my notes that I hadn't shared some days ago, and it was the attack, the attack of compromise, you know, and I, I saw it in a dream, and I, I remember telling somebody, I was like, oh, you know, that, that's what's going on. You know, I was trying to explain what was wrong with the person in my dream, and I was telling the person, I was like, oh, what you're dealing with is the attack of compromise, and uh but but that was that in my dream. So by the time it was time for me to wake up this morning, I was so exhausted. I was super exhausted. You know, I, I mean, I'm traveling, um, having to officiate events and all kinds of things and waking up early, sleeping very late. So I was just super exhausted this morning. So I remember my alarm went off and I turned on the bed and I was just like, no, I'm not getting up. I'm going to sleep. And my husband woke me up like one minute again after that. And I was like, get up. I was like, no, I'm not getting up. I'm, I'm going to sleep. You know, I was like, somebody else is going to take that call. I'm not doing it. And he said, nobody else is going to take it. You are going to take it. And in my head, I was like, wow easy for you to say while turning on your bed you know <laughs> and uh i was like in my head i just kept thinking why 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 would you say nobody else can take it you are going to take it because i was tired and i was like you know i just turned again put my head on my pillow and as i put my head on my pillow i heard the lord say i heard the lord read out a scripture to me that is under the um notes that i wrote so i had first seen in my dream i was telling somebody that's the attack of compromise you know and then after i was like why would you say i'm the one that's going to take it i put my head turned my head on the pillow i laid back down and i saw you know in the days when kings went to battle 
David stayed back at home. Ah, and I was like, God, now, wow. So even this small sleep, you're not going to let me have it, you know. And so I said, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. You want me to share about the attack of compromise. Okay, no problem. I'm going to get up. I'm not going to compromise um, the, the prayer ring um, vision, the prayer ring charge. I will get up and I will come and say what you have to say. So I literally, like, I dragged myself like a log of wood to the bathroom, even though that's not why I'm here at this time. I've been trying to connect and I was having issues. My video was refusing to show. Um, so I literally just dragged myself and got up and pff, I came down here. So praise God for that. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. So uh, there, there, there are different scriptures uh, that, that come to my mind. But the, the first scripture that I want us to look at is the second Samuel um, verse 11. And the, the reason why I'm teaching this this morning is I feel so strongly that the Lord wants to strengthen the habitation of somebody here and he wants mm. to strengthen the borders of somebody and he wants to, you know, build back um, the things that have been lost and the things that have been broken, you know, and the way that God wants to do that is that the Lord wants to uh, teach you how to rebuild your edge hedges, hedges, yes. Um, because you know, when the Bible says, when the, uh, when the hedge is broken, you know, the serpent will bite. So, um, the Lord doesn't want, you know, your hedge to be broken. The Lord doesn't want, um, the hedge of your life to be broken. The Lord wants to build it back up. And one of the things, there are different things that break the hedge of a person's life. You know, um, you know, one of the things is just the first image I saw was just generationally or when people in authority over your life actually hand you over to be taken as prey, hand you over to be destroyed. And people in authority over your life could be your parents or, you know, someone you have submitted to or like a woman, it could be your husband, you know, because there are certain things or certain spirits that cannot enter your home, except maybe your husband goes out sleeps with a strange woman or has some sort of covenant with you know somebody else and is still sleeping with you and still engaging with you as husband so remember the bible was teaching in the new testament and the bible was saying you know are you going to go and join the body of jesus with the body of a harlot you're basically saying how can you while you are a believer you know still be committed fornication committing adultery and all of that and the way he he described it was are you going to join christ with a halot you know are you going to join the body of christ with that the body of a prostitute so basically when you are married to a person but yet you are having things to do with another person you are in compromise in yourself but you are also compromising the people that are in covenant with you because they partake of that which you partake of you know that is the thing about being in covenant with a person that's why when god goes into the covenant with a person or goes into a covenant with a nation the lord begins to trouble them he would trouble them and trouble them and trouble them. He would not let them be, or he would not, neither would he let them have their way. Why? Because the moment you go into a covenant with a person, you become a partaker and a joint hair with whatever the person is partaking of. You know, so that's why you must pray for people you are in covenant with. That's why you must intercede for people that you are in, you know, you are joined together. You know, so I know people may say things like, no, that's their own me. This is my own. No. 
the Bible says that two have become one flesh. So, and that's not just the only covenant. So I, I, when I said, for example, somebody who is married to you that is breaking the hedge puts you in compromise. You know, I said either they are sleeping with somebody or, you know, the other thing that could be happening because the only the um, sleeping with somebody in the case of marriage is not the only way in which you get into covenant. So um, even in, in terms of conversation, because, you know, I, I tell people who say things like, oh, no, you know, we are just talking. And, and I don't know what the Lord will have me teach on this today, but I believe that God wants to break somebody out of the stronghold of hell and out of the stronghold of Satan and out of the repeated cycle of captivity in your life life you know um so yeah i'll, I'll talk to somebody a person was like oh no but i'm not doing anything you know against my wife all i'm doing is just having conversations with this person and i said to them i said you remember the bible says that the power to life and to death is in the tongue i say you can be married to this woman and have a, a pre-existing covenant with her but and a pre-existing altar that is raised with your wife i said but as long as you are not servicing an altar all that it is is a house and a temple that is visible that exists but there is no power within it there is no light within it i say yes you will have a covenant consistently with your wife but that covenant is not being strengthened neither is the altar of it being serviced i said but here you go with somebody else servicing a strange altar because the power to life and to death is in the tongue and so you are giving life to something else by having conversations with that person consistently deep intimate conversations you know conversations about the depth of your being conversations about the depth of yourself and i'm like how do you build what you have with god i said the way we build what we have with god is through words the moment you begin to release words you begin to speak words you begin to have these conversations with god you are getting intimate with the father and something is being built up there is a fire that is burning the moment words are released and so another way in which um, people compromise themselves Themselves and they compromise people that are covenanted to them is when they build a connection with somebody else to the realm of the spirit that legally they are not meant to have that kind of intimate connection with that person. You know, that in itself puts you in a compromise and they are compromising people that are in covenant with you. So there are many ways in which, you know, you could get into a, a state of compromise or a state in which um, the hedge is broken as it is. Um, but so people in authority can do that. You yourself, you can do it yourself. You know, it's a, it's a way you can do it to yourself where your hedge can be broken, but also you can be attacked by the enemy. And so these are like three things. People in authority can, can break your hedge if they allow the enemy and they say, go ahead. You know, you can break your hedge, but um, also, the third thing is the enemy could attack you, you know, and in the enemy attacking you because you were not strong in the day of the attack or you were not rightly positioned or you were not alert, the enemy could break the hedge over your life, you know, so... Um, it says, he who digs a pit, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8, he who digs a pit may fall, will fall into it. And he who um, breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. You know, so basically saying, um, if you intentionally go dig a pit, you will be the one to fall in, into it. But if your hedge is broken, whether intentionally or unintentionally, then the serpent will come in and bite. Um, and there are different kinds of hedges. You know, there is a hedge of 
um, in, in the place of prayer, there is a hedge of integrity. There is a hedge of consistency. Um, there's a hedge of truth. There's a hedge of holiness. Um, there's a hedge of unity that is built by reading of unity and communion with the saints. Um, there are all kinds of hedge. There's a hedge that is built up around you by reason of knowledge and revelation. You know, there is a hedge that happens by reason of friendship. There are different things that actually stand guard over you that makes it possible for your walls to be built up. Remember the walls of Nehemiah when it was time for the walls of um of Israel or for Jerusalem to be built up. It wasn't one person that built up the hedge. The Bible began to describe the different um, aspects of the wall that was built up. Some people built the ship gate. Some people, you know, built their individual houses. Some people built um, the gates into the city. Some people built, you know, other parts of the wall, you know, different areas. And so there are different areas, different components, um, components, different parts, different people and their graces that make up a hair, that make up the wall. In the same way, when you have a wall over your life, it's not just one wall. It's not just because, you know, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying, I'm praying. Yes, everything the spiritual world that is built around you by reason of prayer but you see the thing that prayer does is prayer is the, the the power and effect of prayer is not independent of the person praying so many times we think that oh because i have prayed you know god is going to do what god is going to do god will do what god will do but there are many things that god puts in the hand of the person that is praying there are many expectations that heaven has got of you and then what happens is when you pray god begins to give you grace so that you can now see the things that you need to do you can now do the things that you are supposed to do so god begins to tell you hey go rebuild your friendship with this person oh go forgive this person oh you know um go into this place and do xyz you know go give this seed to this individual help this one rebuild this um this part of your life rebuild you know abc so god begins to show you what you must do so that the hedge over your life will be restored so that in any area um you are fully covered by god um, so I say this to say, because we're talking about the attack of compromise. And if you go into the book of um, Genesis chapter um, three, you see the same thing. You know, the Bible says that um, man was not deceived, but man was with woman when woman sinned. So it says, hey, and she took the fruit and she gave it to her husband who was with her. And the Bible says he took of it and ate it. it said, but in the New Testament, it says, and the man was not deceived. It was the woman that was deceived. So here is a scenario where the man is standing with the woman or he's around her somehow. He can see clearly what is going on. He knows clearly that this is a deception. He does nothing about it. He goes ahead and she eats. Of, please mute your microphone. She goes ahead and she eats off the fruit. His eyes are still clear. He still knows exactly what is going on. And he does nothing about it. And then she gives him the fruit and he makes a clear decision to eat of the fruit. Now, the question is, why did humanity fall? Was it because God did not protect humanity? Or was it because the hedge of communication and the hedge of responsibility that the man was supposed to have was broken? The moment he did nothing about it, even though he was not deceived. So here is the serpent deceiving Eve. Here is the serpent deceiving 
um, um, of the brethren. Here is a separate deceiving an aspect of the church. And then the other aspect that is not deceived, that sees exactly what is going on, does nothing about it. What is going to happen is eventually the compromised will compromise you as long as you remain together as one body. The compromise eventually increase and override those that are not compromised. So it is expedient that when you stand in a position of truth and when you stand in a position of clarity and when you stand in a position of revelation and there is no deception in you, you can see this or what it is. It is expedient that you stand in the defense of those who cannot see. It is expedient that you raise your prayer. It is expedient that you speak up and communicate. It is expedient that you do what is best in your power because at the end of the day, what happens a man, man in not doing what he was supposed to do at the right time, now wanted to rise up to defend the woman. And then he made a decision to eat the fruit with her because he wanted to save her. He felt that, you know what, okay, I'm going to go where she is and I'm going to deliver her. And the Lord began to say to me that the, what Adam did in terms of trying to save the woman and eating the fruit was kind of like what Jesus did. They both made a decision to save their bride. They both made a decision, Jesus made a decision to descend from his height of royalty and power and grace and truth to come down and he made himself of nothing, no honor, so that he could be one with the woman and in her broken low state so that Jesus could then give his life for her and redeem her and bring her back into the place of honor. So Adam also, in looking at his bride falling and feeling a sense of responsibility, is like, you know what, I'm going to go there, I'm going to bring myself down and I'm going to save her and, you know, restore her to the position she's supposed to be. But what is the difference between the plan of Adam and the plan of Jesus is that Adam in his his own pride went ahead to do what he was supposed to do as opposed to say you know what as i see my father do that is what i would do i'm going to circle back to god and ask him you know what what did i do wrong where did i get it wrong how can i have the backing of heaven in terms of rescuing the bride in terms of delivering the delivering the bride and that's where jesus was different consistently jesus walked in step with god he never compromised on the redemption plan he never compromised on the restoration plan he consistently depended on the wisdom of God. One compromise leads to another compromise that eventually leads to the death of generations. So here is Adam in the moment when he should have woken up and said, hey, Eve, what are you doing? Why are you having conversations with the enemy? There was a compromise on their communication. There was a compromise on the extension of truth towards, towards, towards her. And so you are in danger or you're already compromised the moment there is nobody that can speak truth to you. You are already compromised the moment your standard of truth is broken. You are already compromised the moment you begin to have conversations, you know, uh, 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 and have engagement with the lies of the enemy. So what's going to happen is that um, the power of deception does not take hold in a minute. The power of deception does not take hold in a day. The power of, the de of deception needs time to operate, needs time to build its web around you. So that even if you woke up one day saying, well, I don't think I should be having this conversation after you have gone through the cycle of the conversation after three weeks four weeks it becomes normal to you you are suffocated by the web of hell and as we speak i just see people who are literally the devil has spawn webs around you and in the realm of the spirit you are trapped and in the realm of the spirit i just see demonic webs that has respawned around you and it began with a little compromise and now you don't even know the only thing you know is that this thing that you did wholeheartedly and this thing that 
that you know you got into initially and you thought hey this is good is beginning to suffocate you and you don't even know the way out because you can't see anymore you can't hear anymore you can't you know um talk anymore but you are literally suffocated and so in the name of jesus as we share the word of the lord this morning i decree that the word of god as it is a sharp threshing instrument as it is a double-edged sword i decree that the word of the lord is coming into your heart it's coming into your mind it's coming Amen. into your spirit Amen. and the word of the lord is cutting through soul and spirit joint and marrow the Amen. word of the lord is separating body separating soul and is separating you from the stronghold of hell i decree that as we speak this morning i decree that as we release the words of truth that the web of satan is dissipating it is breaking in the name of jesus your eyes are being opened to see to see to see to see to see in the name of the lord jesus let that web break in the name of Jesus. Oh, Even right now, begin to pray for your family. Begin to pray for people that are in covenant with. Pray for yourself and pray for people you are in covenant with. Begin to ask that right now, in the name of Jesus, those webs begin to break. That those webs begin to shatter. That those webs are ripped apart. In the name of Jesus. part of the things that are prophesied about this year is that it's going to be the year of great exposure and that there are things that are going to be opened and we're literally going to see back to back to back to back exposures exposures on different levels but you know right now um i I just i just feel like even on a personal level um there are things that god is going to begin to expose on a personal level um god is going to expose things to you in your life in your home in your family and things that you have sat 
on for years and you have for years just sat under the web of the enemy and you have learned to adjust it's the same way that the person when you enter a dark room initially you're like oh i can't see you know but then after a while your eyes kind of adjust to the darkness and you're able to make your way around the room you're able to know where the bed is where the chair is where, where you know where the remote is and all of that in the same way i i sense in my spirit that many people have adjusted to the darkness they've adjusted to the darkness so you're kind of going on with life but you see the truth about light is that when light comes you can see the tiny details and life is in the details life is in the details life is in the details the reason why you are depressed the reason why you are oppressed the reason why you are struggling is because you cannot find the strength in details the blessedness of the tiny things because all that you are doing now is just barely making your way around life and so as in this season what's going to happen is that god is about to expose the things the things that have been lurking in the darkness the things that you have been compromising and the things you have been compromised by the lord is going to begin to open it up to you uh, in the name of jesus you see um Part of what I usually pray about is when I'm in a situation where I feel like something is wrong, something is up, or in my relationship with somebody, and, and I want to know, I usually just go to God and repent of the things that I need to repent of, um, take responsibility for the things that I need to take responsibility of, and I make my way right with the Lord, and I put myself back in the right position with God, and then I say to the Lord, Father, show me um, this situation, open it up to me, like show it to me like an open book. I want to know, you know, especially in the areas where I have rights to ask for such a thing. I'm like, Lord, open it. That The way when a book is opened, there is no alphabet, no comma, no full stop that can hide when a book is opened. Father, open this book to me. I want to see clearly. I want to read it clearly. I want to understand it clearly. Father, help me to understand the language in which it is written. In case this is decrypted, Father, give me the ability to decode what is written in it. I want to be able to see clearly so that I can make the right decision. Because God, I cannot keep stumbling my way into life. I cannot keep stumbling my way through, uh, um, through darkness. I cannot just keep stumbling into safety. There comes a time in my life where I, as a son, I need to rise up and be able to carve a path, not just for myself, for generations to come. So my, my, my limited visibility is not enough to give me leadership over the next generation. So Father, I need sight. I need increase of understanding. I need increase of revelation. And so you begin to see that even from the book of Genesis, when Satan was going to um, 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 bring humanity into the, this kind of captivity, what Satan did was that he lured them into, lured her into a conversation. He lured her into a conversation. Who did he lure into the conversation? People have said, oh, because the man is stronger. That's why he went to the woman, the weakest link. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible never said that the woman was weaker. He, when the Bible spoke about it in the New Testament, after everything that had happened, the Bible called her the weaker vessel, not the weaker soul not the weaker spirit the weaker vessel you see there are sometimes you go to houses and you know you find all kinds of things and you can find um, a, a figurine a plate uh, an object that is that is what a million dollars and it is as fragile as another thing that is what ten dollars it is so fragile so they keep it they encase it in the glass they encase it in a place so the for lack of a better word i don't know if it's a word the fragility if that's a word of a thing it's not the determinant of its value so 
Uh, the Bible called her the weaker vessel because she's weaker in strength, in, in, in physical ability. But it doesn't mean she has the weaker spirit. It doesn't mean she has a weaker mind. It doesn't mean she has a weaker soul. As a matter of fact, does God not hide, you know, wisdom in the things that don't look wise? Does God not... Um, do usually do the reverse when it comes to um, spiritual things in the physical it looks like it's opposite so I believe that the woman was strong I believe that the woman is powerful and I believe that the reason why Satan went for the woman because he was coming against the, the womb of humanity and without a womb it is impossible to reproduce the good of God in the next generation the Bible says it is not good for man to be alone because man did not have the capacity in himself to reproduce the this great and mighty thing that God had created for another generation. So God made woman. Woman was the was the proof to Satan who had already fallen from, from heaven and he had fallen to the earth because the Bible says that he heard Satan falling like lightning to heaven. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. So Satan was an observer of the recreation of the world. He was an observer of, of the things that God was doing and he saw when the garden was created, when man was created because the serpent had fallen. Remember the Bible was saying in the book of Ezekiel he says you who walked in um, Eden you were in Eden the garden of the Lord so Satan's um, place of residence was always Eden even before um, the, the, the world was destroyed even before his fall so the reason why the serpent was in the garden was because it was always Satan's place of habitation Eden he was the one in the Eden of God so um, the serpent was in the garden and he was looking at everything happening. He saw God, you know, um, um, recreate the world. He saw God, you know, bring fishes and plants and all of that together. And then he saw God create this masterpiece, you know, that was a God and looked like him and sounded like him and felt like him and it was acting like him. But the serpent never attacked. The serpent, you know, he was looking and he knew that, okay, well, it's possible he's just a man and he's just created like us you know because in heaven they don't reproduce the way we reproduce the only beings that reproduce like this that are gods um, is humanity so the serpent the, the, the enemy knew that oh you know what he, he's just a man but the moment god you know came and he saw that another being had been created that wasn't exactly like him but the coming together of both of them made it possible for they to multiply over the earth that was when you then saw in chapter three and the and the serpent came and the serpent was more subtle than any animal so there was something he saw about the woman and the woman seemed like the key to humanity and seemed like the key to the procreation and the multiplication of the gods over the earth so he was coming for the womb of humanity and so he went and he spoke to the womb he spoke to the point of production he spoke to the points that had the ability to carry and to conceive and to and to nurture and to reproduce the goodness of god and he was having the conversation of deceit right there and so there are many people when when, when satan wants to bring about compromise one of the first things he begins to do is have conversations about your reproduction and your production and your increase and your multiplication so that you begin to compromise in the area where you are supposed to reproduce and multiply because remember I told you it's all about dominance and dominance is arriving at the level of multi is the highest level of multiplication where it's not just about numbers anymore but it's about the strength of the numbers so if a god gives birth he gives birth to a god so dominance is gods giving birth to gods until they arrive at a point where they have fully filled the earth and consumed the earth with the knowledge of what they carry and who they are and so satan was coming after the, the, the dominion of man the moment he went for the womb of humanity 
And so the enemy is consistently coming for the womb, consistently coming for the point of fertility and the point of increase and the point of reproduction of who you are and what you carry. He doesn't want you to multiply. He doesn't want your grace to multiply. He doesn't want your business to multiply. He doesn't want your work to multiply. He doesn't want your prayers to multiply. You may leave. He may not be able to kill you, but he can lure you into a demonic conversation that will take away your fertility and make it impossible for you to multiply. That's why many people are just surviving life, but they are never increasing and multiplying. So for you to multiply, you must break and you must um, over, overcome the temptation that Eve failed to overcome in the garden, that Eve and man failed to overcome in the garden. You must be able to make right what they were not able to make right. Now, Christ in his time, he overcame because the very same temptations of the garden, he faced them in his time. The, 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 um, the, loss, um, the loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes and the pride of life. So consistently, we are going through those three things. God brings you into a new day. God brings you into a new time. God brings you into a new season and you have to overcome these three things for you to arrive at a place of power and authority. So you come into it and people are like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so great. But you must keep your eye at that point of entering in. You must keep your eye on the loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes and the pride of life and the temptation and the, and the ways in which they are tested so that when you overcome it like Jesus, you can come out of the wilderness with Holy Ghost and with power. You can come out of the wilderness with the strength of the season that God brought you into. But for many people, they die at the point of arrival. So just when you entered into it and you began to sense that ah something is happening, it's not working. Before you know what's happening, you fail in those three areas. And that which seemed like a promise then becomes a point of pain and shame. So you must keep your eyes on the temptation. You must keep your eyes on the temptation. And when he comes to tempt you into a place of compromise, he will not tempt you with things you don't want and things you don't desire. He will tempt you with the very things that your heart and your eyes have lusted after. So he came to Eve and Lord her into a conversation of the seeds. I began to say, oh, you know, did God really say you should not eat of the fruit? Well, he did not say we should not eat of it. He said we should not eat it and he said we should not touch it also. So for you to be able to overcome the deceit of the enemy, you must know the full truth, the whole truth. So God never said they should not touch it. God only said they should not eat of it. And that's the reason why many of us fail, because we don't know the full truth of God. We don't have the full revelation as it pertains to the sanctification and as it pertains to the rules that God has put and the government he has put around his promises concerning us. That's why my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't perish for lack of strength. They don't perish for lack of initiative. They perish for lack of knowledge to know what already exists. What are the ancient landmarks? What are the rules? What are the precepts that God has put in place concerning this matter? Your inability to know them is what will cause your hedge to be broken. This is why you must study. This is why knowledge is good. This is why I teach and pray, teach, pray, teach, pray. Because your prayers are ineffective if they are not founded upon the truth of God's word. If they are not founded upon the, the, the revelation of God's word. If they are not founded upon the government of heaven. It doesn't matter how beautiful you look. And it doesn't matter how much you cry. 
when you go into a courtroom, the law is the law. The judge on a personal note may feel sorry for you, but he cannot compromise the strength of his office by doing for you what you want simply because you are crying. If he does it for you, he's compromising his seat. So God may love you and God really wants to help you, but God cannot compromise his office as the judge, the just one, by giving to you everything you want simply because you are crying. So usually I say to a lot of women that call me, I don't know what to do. I'm like, stop it. You are not a damsel in distress. We are not in distress. You are a woman who has got capacity and ability and you have got articulation of tongue and you have got revelation of spirit. You can speak your way out of this. I say, so stop releasing words that make you weak, look weak and broken. You are not a damn cell in distress. So I'm constantly saying, hey, you know, break that thing that makes us look like, oh, we are weak, we're broken. I'm like, no, you are not weak and broken. It's a deception of hell, actually. So rise up in strength. Now, um, because we are, we were, we're, we're in Genesis. So here was how mankind fell and mankind and, and the woman was not able to tell that Satan was coming for her womb. That Satan was coming for her womb. And that's why in God, re- talking about the promise of man and talking about the restoration of man, he said to, to the enemy, he said, because of this that has happened, the, you and the woman will be in an enmity. There shall be enmity between you and the woman and between you and her seed. And the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. So God was basically trying to say to the enemy, that very thing which you tried to take out is going to become the very thing that is going to take you out it's going to become the very thing that will crush you because out of this same woman will still come a seed that is going to have the ability that is going to have the standard of holiness and righteousness that will not compromise and will have the capacity to bruise your head because in the realm of the spirit strength is about positioning authority is about order Power is about alignment. So it is about who is standing in place and in the right position that has not compromised. That is what determines the person that works in strength and authority. Are we still together this morning? So Satan um, had an assurance. I can't call it for him a blessed assurance, but he definitely had an assurance that someday an uncompromised seed is going to arise from the woman. An uncompromised seed is going to come out of the woman that will bruise his head. It's all about the strength of order. It's all about the strength of order. Order, order. The compromise of a woman was just a little bit to the left. Just a little bit. It wasn't, she didn't completely veer off. It was just a little bit. And the moment the enemy realized she doesn't know the whole truth, he found an entryway. That was the breaking of her hedge. She did not know the whole truth. And so, like I said to you, there are many things that build up your hedge. So one of the things that build up your hedge is the knowledge of truth. A man that knows, knows. You cannot deceive him. The enemy cannot trick you past the knowledge you have. It is the knowledge you have that determines how secure you are from the deceiver. Secure your borders with understanding. Secure your borders with knowledge. Secure your borders with revelation. 
So here is the woman. Her head was broken the moment the, the enemy found the weak point. Oh, she said, he said, we should not touch it. Oh, wow. In the same way, many people are going through life with things that the Lord never said. They are going through seasons of their life laboring on that things that the Lord never said. And that area of, um, of, 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 of compromised knowledge has become the weak link in your life. And Satan is entering through there. People are living with diseases that God never said you should live with. And so we have found all kinds of theologies and doctrines to defend our compromise. And we have, we have become a bunch of Christians who make excuses for God. Well, even though God does not do it, but you know, you need to believe that he's a nice person, he's a kind person. God is like, stop making excuses for me. Just know the truth. If you know the truth, it makes you free. It makes you free. It doesn't set you free. Because a man that knows the truth is not a bound man. He's a free man. So the truth doesn't set you free. The scripture says, if you know the truth, it makes you free. So it changes the internal makeup of your being. It changes your position in the realm of the spirit. So you are not seeking for deliverance. You are the delivered. And the delivered delivers others. So he says, know the truth. And it makes you free. Um, so the compromise starts from the place where a person begins to compromise on the knowledge of truth on the position of God. And I'm saying this over and over again so that you can understand the power of knowledge. The power of knowledge is so powerful. Knowledge in the realm of a spirit is an entity that exists. It says by knowledge a house is built, by understanding and by wisdom a house is built, by understanding is rooms are filled with good things and by knowledge it is established. Knowledge is an establisher in the realm of the spirit. It is a being that exists. So when knowledge is in your life, knowledge does work for you. Knowledge strengthens you. Knowledge positions you. Knowledge ensures that the things that you are given and the inheritance you have is kept. Knowledge is a band of angelic hosts. There is a band of angelic hosts that is called the band of knowledge. And so when knowledge comes into your life, knowledge wars for you. Knowledge fights for you. Knowledge keeps you. So when I talk about knowledge, I'm not just talking about, do I know Matthew 1 verse 2? I am talking about the revelation of what is in Matthew 1 verse 2. It becomes real to you. It becomes clear to you and so when when you are a person of knowledge people will think that you are brash or you are or when you're a person that knows the power of knowledge people will think ah, why is she constantly fighting no i'm not fighting you I, I i refuse because you see um if i consent to what you say in the realm of the spirit i have agreed to your position of knowledge and my agreement with your position of knowledge even if in myself i say oh but me i know the truth as long as i agree to it what i have done automatically is that i have pulled myself into the realm of your own reality and your own position so i may be deceiving myself with my brain by saying oh but me i know what the truth is but the truth that you do not stand for and the truth that you do not fight for is is not your truth. So when I speak about knowledge, I am not only speaking about head knowledge, I am speaking about spirit reality, and I am talking about the position that you take as a human being. Knowledge is also, is also known in words and facts, but knowledge is also a position taken. So in the realm of the spirit, Satan is constantly coming and checking for your position. 
and checking for what you stand for, checking for all of it. So the moment he found that this woman does not have the full knowledge of truth, he found the hedge and he came in. He found the compromise. Remember, I began by saying the Lord was speaking to me at night about uh, 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 the compromise and the attack of compromise. And I sense in my spirit that many of the things that people are dealing with on this call is an attack that has come by reason of your compromise. And God is saying, rebuild your hedges. God is saying, rebuild, rebuild the walls around your life. God is saying, stand up and rebuild. Stand up and rebuild. From the rubbles of yesterday, from the brokenness of the past, rebuild. Simply because you went through a season of pain, pain never changes truth. Pain never justifies wrong. You may go through pain, God may acknowledge it, but it never changes the truth. So people feel that because they are in pain, all of a sudden, God will compromise on his standard to accommodate the extreme thinking of their minds. But God will never compromise on the standard of truth because truth is what keeps and upholds the world, upholds the whole earth. It is not just about you. It is about all of creation. It is about the strength of the throne of God. So God cannot compromise on truth. The Bible says in the day that Jesus was crucified, he laid on that cross, carrying the sins of the world upon himself. He said, Eloi, Eloi, Eles me. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn away from Jesus, had to look away from Jesus because Jesus was carrying sin. Even though he was his son and in his heart, he still loved him with the intensity of a father, but he could not compromise on the truth that God cannot look upon sin, that God cannot partner with sin. So even though it was his son carrying the sin, he did not say, because he's my son, I will change my position because his throne must be founded on righteousness. It must be founded on justice. And so here goes the dilemma of God while Jesus was upon the throne. He had his son who him loved, but yet his son had the sin of the world who he wanted to save. So God could not compromise. He's a God of mercy, but he must remain a God of justice. He must remain a God of justice. Otherwise, when his son goes down to the grave, he did not have the authority to cause the Holy Spirit to go bring out Jesus if he compromised. So he did not compromise. So your inability or your, your not compromising is going to be the salvation of your generation. You're not compromising. Your position of truth is going to be what rescues your children when they go down to the grave. The reason why many of us cannot evoke the laws of heaven is because we already compromised on truth before the day that, we end, that our troubles came. So Satan does not attack you in the day that you are standing in truth. Satan will first com compromise truth in you, allow you to embrace the deception and even engineer things and begin to work in it until sometimes the deception even becomes a culture and a habit for you and then Satan attacks you. So that in the day that he attacks you, because truth is already compromised, you no longer have the authority to come against him. This is how the realm of the spirit works. So you must first hold on to truth. He first comes against truth in your life before he brings an attack. So God's ability to not compromise while Jesus was on the cross, while Jesus was crying, while Jesus was in pain, his ability to hold back in the midst of it all, the son of God was crying out to the father and the father loves him. The Bible says, I am my father, we are one. So every pain that Jesus felt on that cross, God felt every pain. Yet he never compromised because he that hangs on a tree is cursed. 
So Jesus became a curse for us. God did not compromise because he that sinned shall die. Jesus had to die. So God could not compromise. So here is God, the God of mercy, standing. Yet he was standing also as the God of truth and the judge over all creation. So Satan was sitting there and looking at God and saying, today you will compromise and I will take your throne from you. So it was a war of thrones. It was a war of power. It was a war of authority. It was a war of dominion. And the battleground is not fought with blows and swords and all of that. The battleground of thrones and kings and dominion is fought on the grounds of truth. It's fought on the grounds of truth and the upholding of the laws. So God's throne is only as powerful as his ability to adhere to the laws of his throne. Justice, righteousness, truth, mercy, holiness. So here is God. There is this big dilemma, but his position is unflinching. He is my son, but I will not move. So what Satan did not know, Satan thought the warfare ended on the cross. Satan thought the warfare ended on your suffering and your pain and your struggle. You stayed there crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, even though my day turns to night, yet will I praise him. Even though my body be broken, yet will I rest in him. My God, I will stand upon your truth. My God, I will lean upon your word. You have been in that position, that cross for years, crying out to Jesus. Satan is looking and he thinks that the battle ends in the day that you seemingly die or in the day that that person seemingly dies. But what he does not understand is that the testimony of a deliverer or the testimony of a man is not established until the death of the testator. So what looked like your death was actually the establishment of the testament that you believed in. So what Satan did not know was that the death of Jesus was the very thing that permitted God to break through the heavens and to invade hell, the death of Jesus. So you feel to yourself like, ah, I have died a thousand times over this matter. You are saying to yourself, ah, I'm not the person I used to be. Oh, look at where I have died. Look at where I have just, you know, all I have now is Jesus. Oh, I, I don't have the strength I used to have anymore. God is not even allowing me to speak the way I used to speak. I feel like I have given so much up. I'm not the person I used to be, but all I have is Jesus. Listen to me. You see that death right there is the very thing that authorizes the throne of God to cause power to stream towards you. So when people see you tomorrow walking in the strength of resurrection, and the authority that comes with a lack of compromise. People do not understand where it came from. It, came from your, it comes from your ability to hold on to truth, irrespective of the darkness that surrounds you. Because remember, it is a battleground of knowledge and truth. That is the real warfare. That is the real warfare. So this morning, before I go on, I want you to begin to pray, Lord, ignite truth in my heart. Lord, ignite truth in my heart. Lord, ignite truth in my heart. Help me to see where the warfare truly lies. Help me not to fall into deception. My God, ignite heart. Make me a person that can see. Person that can see. Break the chains of deception. Break the chains of deception. 
Rip the lies of hell for me. It's seed of lie that was planted inside of me. Seed of deception that was planted inside of me. Whether it came from culture, whether it came from tradition, whether it came from repeated habits, my God, break the lie. Break the lie. Break the lie. Break the lie. I know that I know there is something stirring inside of your spirit. So when it's stirring, you can mute your microphone and be praying and be listening to me. Don't, don't, don't keep riding the wave, but just mute and listen to me. Keep riding the wave. You see, the Bible says you are a servant to him that you yield yourself to obey. The moment you yield yourself to obey a lie, you become a servant to that lie. And the realm from which that lie has come becomes the very realm within which you operate. So I need you to understand why you must contend for the truth. You must contend for truth. You must contend for truth. You must contend for truth. Because you see, deception and deceit is a realm. And truth is a realm. This is why when Adam and Eve were walking in the truth of God, they were able to see things from the perspective of God. And the moment they were able to see from the perspective of God, they experienced the grace and the goodness of God, the sufficiency of God. The moment they compromised on truth and they agreed with a lie, what happened was that they were pulled away from the realm of the glory and the grace of the truth of God. And they were pulled into the realm of the lie. 
lie. And the realm of the lie is darkness. And within the realm of darkness, it's captivity and slavery and pain and shame. But so that is why when God came to them, God said to them, God did not curse man. God cursed the ground. But God said to them, because of what you have done. So God was merely enlightening them and saying, here is the side effect of what you have done. You have been drawn into a realm of captivity. And within this realm, pawns and tissues are the portion of day that dwell in this realm. Why? Because Satan is the king of the realm of darkness. So in his realm, he's already punished. Pawns and tissues are his portion. This is why when Jesus was going to break the curse of Satan and sin, he wore a thorn on his head. He used a thorn on his head. This time he said, you know what? I carry on my head. I crown myself with the effect of that realm of darkness and I will die in it and I will resurrect your life. This is why now the crown upon the head of Jesus is the blessing and the blessedness of God. I need you to understand. So in that realm of darkness, the portion of that master is stones and seasons, pain and slavery, labor, tilling the ground before he can even get anything, to running to and fro the earth before he can find something. So the moment you are pulled into that realm, you become a slave to the activities of that realm. So truth and deceit are realms, realms of existence. So we can be five in this room, but we are all operated out of different realms. We are all operating out of different realms. And the way in which people are pulled into realms and pulled out of realms is by the power of truth. The power of truth. Everything else that God has given to you is held in place by truth. Everything else is held in place. That's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. He says the, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, um, the, the, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, but the belt of truth. In the ancient Roman uh, attire, it is the belt that holds everything together. The moment they remove their belts, their, their, their shields will fall, their sword will fall, and their armor will fall, everything will fall. The belt holds it all together. So it doesn't matter how many other things you are believing, God has given believing, what holds it all together and keeps you in place is truth. You cannot compromise on the knowledge of truth. That's why you cannot be a Christian that rides on all oh, the prayers of people. You cannot be a Christian that rides on, we are praying today for this, we are praying for our enemy. You cannot be a Christian that rides only on that. Because what is happening is that you are getting a constant high, but you are never being sustained in the realm of the high. So you are constantly going back for, you, you, you can be sustained in a place of power. And the way you are sustained there is truth. So this is why when they fell, they began to see differently because a different kind of light was turned on for them. It is a lower level of thinking, imagining, and surviving. A very, very low level. A very, very, that is where everything about humanity fell, even down to our eyesight. That's why the human eye now can see only a particular spectrum of light. You change the spectrum of light, we can no longer see. Meanwhile, this same humanity was seen before. When Adam saw his wife, he never interpreted where how she was as naked. The concept of nakedness and vulnerability came by reason of the fall, the breaking of truth and the luring into a dark realm. 
So it is in that realm people begin to say, oh, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm sad, there's nothing good in me. But when they were in the realm of the glory of God, oh, bring me all the animals on the earth and we name them. Whatsoever I call them is what they become. I have authority and dominion over the whole earth. But when they were broken and lured into the realm of darkness, oh, bring the leaf, let me cut it and use it to cover myself. Oh, we need to survive. Let us go and hide behind the tree. They became timid and weak. Part of the reason why people are timid and your weakness and your brokenness, you are constantly afraid, never able to engage. Ask yourself what realm you are seen from. Because when you step into the realm of truth, you become bold and courageous. The audacity of the spirit. That's why every time God wants to raise a warrior, raise a deliverer, he will come to him and say, rise up, Joshua. You, do you know who you are? The reason why you are going to be able to occupy the shoes of, of Moses is not because Moses called you a leader. It's because you will adhere to my every word. You will hold on to my commandments. You will not compromise on the standard of the Bible. Whatever you see in my word is who you are, Joshua. God comes and begins to receive restore truth to them and restore perspective to them you begin to see them walk in courage and boldness courage and boldness it doesn't matter how long you pray and say god make me bold god remove timidity from me yes it is a spirit but the spirit is facilitated and empowered by something the moment you come into truth you are pulled out of the realm of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light the kingdom of revelation and the knowledge of who you are. A hair is not different from a servant as long as he remains a child. Childishness and simplicity is the reason why you are still serving the desires of hell. Break out of simplicity. Break out of childishness. Break out of simplicity. The mark that a hair, that a son has come into a place where he's ready to take the throne is that he begins to get concerned with the affairs and he begins to demand for his rights. Come. Break out of simplicity and enter into the strength of your office. Truth is a realm. By their fruit, you shall know the realm for where they dwell. By your fruit, you shall know the realm within which a particular area of your life is in. You want to be released from that captivity? Enter into the understanding of truth within that area of life. This is how deliverance happens. This is how deliverance is birthed. This is how liberation is born. Break out. Break out. Break out. Break out. So I read the scripture in 2 Samuel 11. You're just going to stay with me and give me small more time. Can you give me a little bit of time? Please. Let's, let's, yes. Let's, okay. All right. Thank you so much. Let's just allow this thing settle a little bit. Let's, let's massage it a little bit into our spirits. You know? So in, um, in 2 Samuel 11, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Listen to me. It was the season when kings go off to war. It was the time when people were supposed to rise up and fight, rise up and pray, rise up and build the defense around. Hear me, truth is empowered by seasons. There are seasons for the establishment of truth. Every day is a day for truth, but there are seasons where the bar of truth is raised. So this season is a season for truth. 
Because you begin to realize that there is a fervency of spirit that happens in this time of the year. Understand me. I'm not saying that in September there is no fervency, but there is a fervency and we have turned it into mockery and we have started to laugh and say, uh, it's New Year resolution. Mm -mm, hear me. It's not New Year's resolution. It is a gate of time. It's not New Year's resolution. That's why everybody feels it. Everybody feels like there is something. Even those in the world, even companies and organizations, they feel it because a gate is opened. A dimension of time is exposed. And if you miss the cycle, you miss the entering in. So there is a season where kings go off to war. I remember the battle is not necessarily just the battle of swords and shields as we know it. Do you understand? That's why the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Truths are conveyed in words. That is the sword with which we fight. So, you know, so it was time for David who was anointed, ordained, and seen visibly as a king. It was the time when he was supposed to go and fight. But David stayed back. Why? Because he had raised a Joab who was strong, who was powerful, who has ability, who has capacity. And Joab is able to go and fight for David. So David sent Joab out to go and war for him. Joab in himself is not bad. Well, even though later we begin to find out that David said to Solomon, if your throne will be established, you must kill Joab. But that's a teaching for another day. So um, Joab in himself, in terms of what Joab represents, was not bad but listen to me many of us have got joabs in our lives many of us have got joab systems many of us have got joab um seasons of marriage where everything is going rosy you have built this one because joab came to david in the time of the wilderness and david appointed him and david built him david built this man by truth a lot of them were people who were coming from the backside of the city there were men who were broken dejected there were men who the city did not want they were thieves and robbers and when they came to david david washed them every day with truth he washed them with truth until he brainwashed them into the same perspective he had and the Bible declared that concerning the men of David, some of them we go. One of them jumped into a pit on a snowy day and found a lion there. He, he saw a lion in the pit. He jumped in just to go and kill the lion for sports. That was how David had brainwashed them. That the lion is your sporting activity. Killing lions are for sports. David has so brainwashed them that these guys took on the perspective of David. The Bible says concerning one of them that he held his sword and he fought all night and he destroyed an army of thousands. By the time he finished fighting, they could not open his hand to remove the sword because the sword had gone glued to his hand. He was, he held it. David's men, they will fight with the jawbone of an axe. They will destroy thousands. These guys were crazy. Why? Because you become like who you behold. They were beholding David. They were seeing David operating in levels and dimensions that a normal man could not operate on. That a man who was not king could not have the kind of authority that David did not have. And as long as they sat under the water of David and he spoke to them consistently, he watched them consistently, these men broke into the realm that David was operating from. So it did not matter who their fathers were, who their mothers were. The thing that now became the qualifier of their lives was the realm from which they were seen. And they began to see from the realm of David. That's why David is not just a man. David is a realm. 
David is a place in the spirit. That's why the Bible speaks about the Davidic anointing. When you enter into the Davidic, you begin to operate like David. You be like a shepherd boy that has no background, but you begin to work with kings and with royals. You command armies, not from the place of your book knowledge that you have, but from the place of the revelation of the strength of the God of Israel. It is a Davidic posture. It's a place in the spirit. And that's why I was telling you that there are people who are no longer just people. There are some people who are offices now. There are some people who are realms now. There are some people who are gates now. The moment you poke their life, you open yourself into a dimension of truth because men are the revealers of the truth of God, the life of a man. Look at the word we study today. Can you imagine that the word of God that is holy and powerful is merely the compilation of the stories of the lives of men? Men are the ones that, are made, that have made up the word of God the holy actions of men. The Bible called men like Gideon that called themselves small. The Bible called them holy men. The Bible called men who, when you read their story, they looked like cowards, but the Bible called them holy men of old. The Bible calls them generals. The Bible calls them people who took cities and territories. Why? The word of God is the compilation of the stories of men, stories of men. That is what has formed the holy word. Why? Because these men broke into the realm of truth and they actualized the truth of God. So their lives became holy. And so today also, you are living and you are existing. What you don't understand is that your ability to hold on to truth and your ability to walk in the truth of the revelation of God, you are forming scriptures. And some days the host of heaven will stand. And the way we raise the word of God to read, your life shall be raised, shall be raised and read to all creation as the holy word of God. Your story is making up a new book of holiness. Your story, your life, your decisions, your breaking into truth and standing in truth, the postures of truth you are taking, it is forming a new testament of the saints. Hear me, for your lives are the living epistles that are written and read by men. Someday, all of creation will read of you and they will say, holy, holy, holy. David had raised Joab. In this same place, so Joab was good. Joab was powerful, but Joab can never take the position of David when it came into the matters of kingship and warfare. David sent Joab out to go and do his business for him in the time when David should have been the one that went to war. Why am I saying this to you? Part of the compromise that many of us have compromised on is that we have sent our Joab businesses out. You have said to yourself, oh, I am an apostle in the marketplace. So all you do now is write checks. You no longer attend prayer meetings. You no longer go for Bible studies. You no longer fill yourself up with the word of the Lord. You no longer fight the fight of truth. You are now sending the Joab that you built by truth. You are now using the Joab as your defense and the reason why you no longer seek for truth. For the very things that brought you into power will be the things that will keep you in power. Don't ask Joab to take your place. You are compromising. Joab was never meant to be the king of Israel. David was meant to be the king. And part of the responsibility of kingship is that you go to war. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, 
David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole army of Israel. David sent his entire defense system. He sold it out to Joab. I need you to hear what I'm saying. Many of us have sold our defense system out to our marriages. The very thing that made you become a prayer warrior. You realize that in your family line, there are attacks on you people. There are attacks. They don't allow you to have children. They never allow you to marry. They say, oh, no man that marries, their wives don't stay. You have looked at your grandfather, he had two wives. You looked at your father, he too, he had two wives. You, you are on the verge of having, breaking the marriage you have. Can't you see that there's a repeated cycle? So you entered into prayer and intercession. I break every chain. I come into the knowledge of God. He that is in Christ Jesus is free. You Then the next day, the thing that should not happen, happened. And you finally got married. You finally got the business. You broke through in business. You became the first billionaire in the lineage of your household. All of these things began to happen. Why? Because you entered the realm of truth. And then you began to raise Joab businesses. Mighty men of David. Mighty men of Sheson. Mighty men of Isi. Mighty men of Jumoke. You began to raise mighty men businesses. Mighty men friendships. Mighty men relationships. And in the day where you were to go to war, in the day where you were to sustain yourself in the wrestle of truth, when you were to remain in the place of searching the word and in prayer, rather you were sending these things out on your behalf. You became a person that, you know what, now you, never, you don't do the things you used to do anymore in God. Don't you understand that the altar of a king is sustained by the consistent sacrifices that he lays on the altar? Consistent sacrifices. That is how a king's altar is sustained. You must keep burning incense at that altar. You must keep burning incense and making sacrifices at that altar. But David changed his strategy. He said, you know what? I have raised mighty men. Let them go out for me and fight. And he sent them out with the entire defense system of Israel. He sent them out to the army. Compromising on his own safety, he remained in Jerusalem. He remained in the citadel, in the promotion. You know, he, he remained in the good life. Forgetting that what makes David, David is the wilderness. What makes David, David is the backside. And that's how you will see that through the life of David, it was almost like God allowed situations that constantly threw David off the throne. So David thought that, ah, I have come to promotion. Oh, I've killed Goliath. He enjoyed it a little. Bam, God cut it short. Threw him back in the caves of Adullam, the plains of Ziklag. Oh, David is running and fighting and doing all of that. And finally, ah, Saul is dead. David is enthroned at Hebron. And David sits on his throne. Before you know what's happening, bam, his son Absalom has come against him again. And David is running again. Why is such a mighty man constantly being thrown back? Because God needs to remind David that, David, your throne is not the city, Jerusalem. Your throne is the man that you are on the inside. The man that in the wilderness, he's able to find God. In the darkness, he's able to build a bonfire. In the midst of warfare and struggle, he never compromises on his standard. David said, how can I touch the Lord's anointed? Even though I am running, even though I'm trying to preserve my life, I will never lay my hands on Saul. David did not compromise. So here is David in a position of compromise. Forgetting that what makes him king and what sustains his throne is his ability to remain the boy that constantly goes to war. He sends Joab. The Bible says one evening, while he was in that position, it wasn't the deal. Because you see, that's the thing about the enemy. The moment you enter a compromise, he will give you an initial season of peace. So that you will believe that this new posture you have taken is of the Lord. Because remember, his strength is deception. So he will give you a season of peace. 
in your compromise and you will enjoy it. You'll be fine. And you will believe that surely the Lord is with me. And then the Bible says one day, it was just one day, David was in his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. Rivi got up from his bed and walked around the roof of his palace. So David still had perspective. He was on the rooftop. And standing on the roof or on the mountain speaks about perspective, speaks about the prophetic, speaks about insight, speaks about your ability to see what people do not see. So just because you are still working in the perfecting, having dreams and visions, does not mean you have not compromised. Because you see, there are certain things that can activate sight in the realm of the spirit. But is it enough to see because God showed you? Or are you in the realm of sight? Those are two different things. So, so people activate it when they come into the company of other people. Remember Saul, when he came into the company of prophets, oh, the prophetic was activated and he began to prophesy like them to the point where they say, has Saul now become one of the prophets? So those are the things that happen when you come together. But there is a different position where you are actually living in the realm of sight. When you are in that place, you are constantly in the stream of vision and revelation. So David got up from his bed. Oh, he still had a bit of perspective. He could see the whole city from his rooftop. So he thought, you know what? I'm good. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. We all know the story. I could go on and on and on. And I believe that tomorrow we'll still talk about um, compromise because we're going to look at the stories of people and how they kept themselves from compromise, if the Lord permits. Because like I said yesterday, time is moving quickly. We start on the topic and the Lord that boom, gone, move on to the next thing, boom, gone, move on to the next thing. So if the Lord permits, we'll continue on compromise um, tomorrow. But here is David. In that place, he is seen, he has perspective, even though he has compromised on his, on, his, on his responsibilities as king. But here, from this place, he sees Besheba. He sees this woman. Besheba has, it's not like Besheba did not just build that bathroom. It's not like she just built it when he, Uriah went to war. That bathroom has always been there. Besheba probably has been having her bath at that same time. Those people were very into traditions and rituals. So I'm sure she used to have her bath at that time every day. I'm sure that's not the time that David just put his bed on that rooftop. I'm sure his bed has always been there. But it was in the season of his compromise that his sight was also compromised. Maybe before then, when he was not at rest, when people were going to war, he wasn't looking out for woman bathing. Maybe he wouldn't see a woman bathing and he wouldn't even think twice about it. But this time, he was at ease. This time, he was not thinking like a king. And so he saw it differently. The same way that Eve had been walking past that three, tree in the Garden of Eden for years. We don't know how long between when she, and, she was made and when the temptation came, but she probably was there for years, for months, for days. We don't know how long, but she had been walking past that tree and she never saw it the way she did that day. She saw it all of a sudden differently. She began to desire it all of a sudden. Why? Because the Bible says you are drawn away and enticed by your own lust. So it was not the day she stretched her hand to eat the fruits that she felt. The falling began from the day she had did not check 
the lust that was rising inside of her for the thing that God said she should not have. I'm saying this to you so that even after we hang up, you know how to pray. You cannot allow things fester. One day, somebody in your office walk past you and you're thinking to yourself, ah, ah, this man is handsome. Oh, ah, ah, see pointed nose. Meanwhile, your own husband's nose is in a certain manner. And you begin to, before you know what's happening, ah, ah, the, the thought is going, it's lingering, it's lingering, it's lingering. You are enjoying it. What Satan is going to do, he's going to come and look for it in you. The moment he finds it, he will enter from there. Why? You have broken the hedge. So do not let it fester because it will become the very um, entering door through which Satan will have a conversation with you. I say to people, the conversations you are meant to have with God that you don't have with him, Satan will come and have it with you, but he will pervert it. And from there, your death will happen. So that conversation, Eve should have had it a long time ago and said, God, this tree you said we should not eat of. The way I'm looking at this tree these days, it's like, ah, I want to eat it. Oh, this tree is, is the apple on this tree is not big beginning to look better than all the other apples. God would have looked at her and said, Eve, ah, they are coming for you. <laughs> this is how he begins. He is coming for you, Eve. Now, let me enlighten you what's happening. Eve could have taken a position of defense quickly. Then when she goes back to God and begins to say, Father, put out of me every desire for that which is against your will. Father, remove from me every compromise, every position, everything that has the possibility of birthing compromise, everything that has the possibility of luring me into a demonic conversation with Satan. Baba, remove it from me. I declare that my desires are set upon the things of heaven. I declare that my desires fall under the government of God. I declare that my heart is in perfect alignment with Jesus. You could have prayed those prayers from the beginning. And it would have kept you from having a conversation that would have led to your death. Listen to me. It was the compromise. The compromise of David was not that he took Bathsheba. The compromise of David began from the day he started thinking to himself, ah, Joab is now powerful. Eh, Joab can go to battle for me now. I don't have to be the one that goes to battle. It did not even begin the day he sent Joab out to war. It was the day he began to think to himself that it is possible for Joab to take his place in the day of danger. That was the day his compromise started. Today, I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord to reveal to you every area in your life where Satan has begun to lure you into a compromise. Ask the Lord to deliver you, deliver you, deliver you from every lie and every deception of hell. I want you to hear something. Last year, I've said it over and over again. I went through a season of deep pain. And you see what that pain was trying to do? Was to bring me, deceive me, and pull me into a realm. Where I began to think and imagine from in, in, in darkness, from the satisfaction of my desire to believe that I cannot do anything I want to do because I'm in pain. Satan was trying. So what God said to me was, Isi, go through your pain in your humanity, but preserve truth in your spirit.
So in my humanity, I was in pain. I was, there were days where I was sad, but in my spirit, I held on to the truth. God has not failed. God cannot fail. I held on to the truth. My humanity is experiencing brokenness, but my priesthood and my kingship is untouched. I held on to the truth. My humanity is experiencing shame, but my priesthood and my kingship has honor. I was able to distill it. Remember what I taught you guys, that it is not, not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It is not and in Hebrew word. It is the tree of knowledge of good to evil. So it is almost like an interval. It is almost like they're on the same spectrum. Good and evil is on the same spectrum. And so the discernment between good and evil, the word discern is the word bane, the interval between. So it is so, it is so close that you need the bane, the discernment of God to be able to discern the interval between it. Good and evil is on the same fruit. So when you take a bite, you are eating good and you are eating evil at the same time. So it takes the discernment of the spirit to spit out the evil and withhold the good. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in the midst of my pain, I saw the hand of deception coming from me and telling me, look at what has happened. Look at who you are. And he started trying to redefine my identity for me. And I said, even though my outward man perishes, yet my inward mind is renewed day by day. It was almost as if I was living as two people at the same time. I separated my body from my spirit, the experience of my flesh from the experience of my spirit, man. And I said to me, Isi, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Daily, I looked upon the mirror of the world, the mirror of the world that defined my life. And I kept it separate from the experience of my flesh. And I said to myself that even if my body is eaten by worms, my soul will yet praise him. The Lord will come to my rescue. The Lord will deliver me. Even in this body, I will praise him. Because Satan was trying to lure me and trying to get me to agree that this outward reality was my inward reality. And the moment I, I buy into that, what happens is that initially I would think I'm in liberty, but I'm actually entering captivity. Because you would think it's liberty to say, you know what, I'm angry, I'm in pain, so here are the things I'm going to do, own your own truth, live your best life, live your this nonsense, nonsense, nonsense theologies. And then I begin to satisfy my flesh and do the things that are my defense in my humanity. Do the things that preserve my honor based on human standards. And the moment I agree to that broken standard of hell, I am pulled into the realm of darkness. Remember, I will enjoy a season of peace initially. And then boom, Satan will strike me. He will come for my oil. He will come for my grace. He will come for my tongue. He will come for my utterance. He will come for my word. He will come for my power. And eventually he will come for my seed. So I understood what I was fighting for. I understood what I was fighting for. This morning, do you know what you are fighting for? Your preservation of truth. Your preservation of, 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 of position of grace and truth and holiness. Do you know what you are fighting for? Now pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for the preservation of truth.
Ask the Lord to help you to see every lie that you have brought, brought, um, uh, you, you, you have keyed into, every deception of hell and darkness, every position you have taken that is not of God. Can we pray? Can we pray this morning? Ask the Lord to enlighten your understanding. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. Ask the Lord to break you out. To break you out. Jesus name. I need you to lay your hands on your eyes. I say to yourself, these eyes will see the truth of God. These eyes will see the truth of God. 
I want you to make this prayer and say to God, Father, forgive me for every darkness that I have sat in. Forgive me for every demonic conversation I have continued to have with Satan and I have defended it and I have said it is my right. God, forgive me for every time that I, a son of light, have allowed myself to be lured into darkness. God, forgive me and deliver me this morning. I repent of the darkness in my heart. The darkness in your word. The times I refuse to engage in prayer. For the days that I did not get up to sit at the feet of the I perceive in my spirit that there are people who have become prisoners to darkness. And the Spirit of God, I hear in the realm of the Spirit that a prison break is happening in this prison. God is breaking men out of prison. God is breaking you out of prison. This morning, I want you to make a prayer and say, God. Today, as your light has come to me, see every covenant that I've made with darkness, every agreement I made with darkness and darkness, I see it. This morning, I decree that no arrangement with lies anymore. I have no arrangement with darkness anymore. I have no covenant with darkness anymore. Every compromise that I have made, the God of 
You will seek for the truth and truth alone. You will seek for truth and truth alone. You will not find satisfaction in lies and deceit. Before you go, I need you to understand. Oh, yes, he has broken the gate of brass. Mm. And he has turned the bars of iron. 
asunder. He has broken the gates of brass and torn the bars of iron. Thank you. Before you go, I want you to hear me. This is the reason why you fight. You must keep fighting for your life. Because it is not just about you. It's about the generations of God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what anybody has said to you. Neither does it matter how much you have abused yourself in a lie. You are still the instrument of Jehovah. And from your main name, the Lord is building a story of deliverance in humanity. (laughs) Quickly, I say to you, in Genesis, you will see the genealogy. This is going to take two minutes. In Genesis, you will see genealogy. When the Bible says, and Adam begat Sat, and Sat begat Enosh, and Enosh begat Canaan, and Canaan begat Mahalalel, and Mahalalel begat Jared, and Jared begat Enoch, and Enoch begat Methuselah, and Methuselah begat Lamech, and Lamech begat Noah. These men lived, lived their lives. These men, on a daily basis, they went through the things, they just lived. But what these men did not know was that their lives were writing the story of the deliverance of God. Their ability to hold on to the truth of God was what brought us to the true establishment of deliverance. Why? The name Adam means man. The name Set means appointed. The name Enosh means mortal. The name Kenan means sorrow. The name Mahalalel means the blessed God. The name Jarel means shall come down. The name Enoch means teaching. The name Methuselah means his death shall bring. The name Lamech means the the despairing or those in pain. The name Noah means comfort and rest. In the genealogy, basically what the Lord was saying in Adam begat said, said begat Enoch was... Do you want to go off today? Sorry, mute your microphone, please. I can hear you. What, the, what basically the genealogy was saying was man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing and those in captivity comfort and rest. That is exactly what Adam begat said, said begat Enoch, Enoch begat Canaan, Canaan begat Mahalalel, Mahalalel, Jared, Jared, Enoch, Enoch, Methuselah, Methuselah, Lamech, Lamech, Noah. When you combine their names, what it says is man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. Why am I saying this to you? Your ability to live your life in the fullness of God's truth is writing a story of deliverance for humanity. You are part of God's prophecy to all of creation. You are not a mistake. So when you fight for truth and you are contending and saying this one life that I have, my God, I will start. My God, I will, I will not come. You are writing a story to all of humanity. Take your part. Don't let your own alphabet be the one that is missing. Stand in line and God will bless you because you did not disgrace him. Neither did you break his story but you allowed him create the book that he wants to read to all of creation. God bless you and keep the contention for truth in your heart and in your spirit. And I will see you guys again tomorrow. Remember, pray for me. Pray for me. Hey, I'm the most serious person that you may meet. So I need God to help me. 
You understand? Pray for me, pray for me. Because if you pray for me and I am on point, things will be on point. So I pray that God will help all of us to keep rising up daily, to be diligent in seeking him. And I pray that God will help you and keep you and you will fight and you will contend for the truth of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.